Hey, Scott here with Grace Bible Church. Before we get into this message, I just wanted to thank you for streaming this sermon. We pray that each week you are challenged by who God is and what he has done for you. Now, this is never meant to be a substitute for you to be an active member of a community of faith. If you live in the Hollidaysburg area, or if you're in town for any reason, we encourage you to gather with us on Sunday mornings for our word and worship. You can learn more about what God is doing through our church body on our website, gbclive.org. All right, so we're going to jump right into our text here. We are starting in Galatians 5, verse 16. So if you have your Bibles, pull those out, or electronic devices. I think that's still considered a Bible. If not, it is up here on the screen. I'm using the ESV. So starting in verse 16, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Okay. Lots of good stuff here. Um, So, our main idea today is that believers walk in the Spirit to fight the battle to kill the desires of the flesh. Believers walk in the Spirit to fight the battle to kill the desires of the flesh. So a couple components in there. I never would have thought that I would use the word kill in a main idea, but I think that it carries a certain degree of weight and importance of how we need to approach this. So it actually is in line with what the text says. So um, I think that is a, a plus. Yes, exactly. Not my idea. So in sort of working through this text, we're going to split this into two parts. Um, I like digestible chunks. So um, the first thing that we're going to do is we're going to recognize the battle. And then the second thing we're going to do is establish a battle plan. Okay. 
let's get started. So starting in the beginning of verse 16, there's a battle that's happening. And sometimes we're aware of the battle that happens, and sometimes we're not aware. We're just sort of like walking through life and just sort of happily taking day by day, and we're not aware of the things that are going on in our heart. We're not always in sort of in tune with our heart and, and uh, how we're feeling about things. But verses 16 through 18 show us that there's a battle going on. So again, it says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So before we dive into the actual battle, let's clarify what we're actually talking about. So the Spirit's mentioned multiple times in this section. What's the Spirit? Anybody know what the Spirit is referring to? Holy Spirit. So it has a capital S, which is important because it's not just any spirit. It is the Holy Spirit. So the Greek word is pneuma. So it's often translated in, in different translations. You might see different words show up. So sometimes it's ghost or breath or wind or Holy Spirit, spirit, uh, helper, uh, truth, spirit of truth. So there's a couple different titles that the Spirit has carried throughout Scripture. Um, where did the Spirit come from? So John chapters 14 through 16 has a lot of text in there that sort of covers some of the stuff that we're going to talk through today. So we're reference that section a couple times. But just to sort of give you some background on what's going on in John. Uh, so starting in 14, this is... Jesus talking with the disciples in the upper room. They're celebrating Passover. Jesus had just washed the disciples' feet. And they're sharing the last supper together. He identifies Judas as his betrayer. And then in verse 15, he says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So Jesus asked God for the helper to come to be with his people forever. <clears throat> when Jesus describes sending the Spirit... He says that the world will not see him nor know him. So it's the spirit is something unseen as opposed to Jesus who is in human form and was seen. So later on, Jesus actually says it's, in, it's to your advantage that I go and that the helper comes. And that's in verse, or sorry, chapter 16, verse 7. Uh, Jesus, being human, 
was confined to be in one place at one time. The helper, as we see in this text, is in you. It's in the believers. Okay, so back to Galatians 5. So the Spirit is one of our characters here. The flesh. What's the flesh? Yes. The humanness of us. So the Greek word is sarx, human, human being, flesh, earthly, uh, person. Sometimes we refer to this idea as sin nature. Uh, so this sin nature sort of draws in uh, the component of pride, uh, self-preservation, uh, that aspect of us that we want to sort of glorify ourselves or make ourselves God. It's, it's like showing the importance of us. So, a couple things here. When we see the word flesh, sometimes, especially in our English translations or in our minds, we, we start to like do other things with that word. So, one, this battle is not against other people. This is a spiritual warfare. This is what conversion is all about. We're born into a body into a humanness that is sinful. And only through the work of God can we be transformed from slaves to heirs, from orphans to children of God. That's what he talked about a couple chapters ago. And this battle happens deep inside of each person. And even those seeming completely lost can be bought and brought from death into life. That was what Paul's testimony was all about. Second thing you have to guard yourself against. So one, it's not against other people. Second one, there may be a temptation to start to view your humanness as a negative thing. So, we, I sometimes despise myself or, or like think that being human is a bad thing. And this would be taking the text out of context, out of scripture, and also denying God's creation. So, for this, we're actually going to go to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 6, Verses 19 and 20. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. That doesn't sound like a negative thing. So your body, your humanness, your flesh was created by God for a purpose. So we see this battle between flesh and spirit. Don't think negatively of your humanness. 
Okay. We're back in Galatians 5. So now we've identified the battle and who we're, who we're involved with, this spiritual warfare between the spirit and our flesh. Uh, this initial statement for this section, Paul states that there's no way to walk in the spirit and gratify the desires of the flesh. Multiple times he uses wording to show opposition of the flesh on one side and spirit on the other side. And there's a term in mathematics, and it's diametrically opposed. So this refers to, on a circle, there are points that are on exact opposite sides. They're on the opposite sides of the diameter. You didn't think you were going to learn anything today. There you go. So, those points can't get closer to each other. They stay opposite. So in Galatians 5, the spirit and the flesh, which is our sinful desire, are opposed to each other. There's no way to be in the spirit and have sinful desire. These spiritual desires are completely against each other. And that's important because we sometimes treat sin like it's not that big of a deal. Like, I can walk in the Spirit and still do these things. I can walk in the Spirit and still be angry with people or hate on people or treat people poorly. That's not what that says. Those things are opposed to, get, opposed to each other. So, this raises a couple more questions. What does it mean to walk in the Spirit? And how do we fight this battle? Like, what do we do? I'm glad you asked. If I can make my computer go. That brings us to our second part. So we recognize the battle. We see who's involved, what's going on. And now we need to establish a battle plan. We need to come up with a way to fight sin desires so in verses 19 through 23 paul identifies the works of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit so let's read through those now the works of the flesh are evident sexual immorality impurity sensuality idolatry sorcery enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Then on the other side, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Got to catch yourself a little bit there because I get into like a rhythm of like reciting them rather than reading them. Um, so spiritual warfare doesn't use traditional tools or weapons. Instead, what's used is identification of fruit and root. 
So if you've been tracking with us in Gospel Roots, this idea may be familiar to you. And we talk fruit and root all the time, and this is the place of the spiritual battle. This is where the warfare takes place. But this isn't something that we came up with on our own, and none of us are botanists. So who came up with this? Turns out Jesus did. Weird. So in Luke 6, Jesus, the great teacher, during his Sermon on the Mount, uses an example that we produce good fruit from the good treasure in our heart, which is our desire. So Luke chapter 6, verse 43. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from the bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What flows out of us shows what we're actually rooted in. It's what's inside of us, our desires. So going back to that section of John, uh, 14 through 16, um, where Jesus was teaching his disciples in the Last Supper. He promises a helper to come. And then in chapter 15, he says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Each branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And each branch, or every branch that he does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already, you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So, we will produce much fruit for the kingdom when we abide and we're rooted in the true vine. So what, how do we do that? Like, how do we walk in the Spirit? Like, what does it mean to abide in the true vine? And that is where we get to the trees. So last time I talked through this, I actually had the whiteboard and I was pretty excited about doing that again. And I realized it takes a lot of time to draw the trees and write all the stuff. So trees, they're there. They are supposed to be very similar trees. They're close to similar trees. So um, when we're talking fruit and root, I think visual aids sort of helps us walk through this stuff a little bit. So straight from the text, we put the works of the flesh in one tree. There's 15 of those things. And he says, that's not all. Like, this is just an idea. This is just a flavoring. So he says that doing those things will not inherit the kingdom. So we got to be careful here because we quickly make that a checklist of 
man, these are the things. You do that, you're going to hell. That's not what it says. This list is not exhaustive, and it points to the deeper aspect of this, that it's not just don't do these things and you're good. It's what's the desire of your heart when you're doing these things? Like, where is that coming from? So these things come from our selfish, sinful desires. <coughs> this is why it's a battle. In our humanness, that's a part of our humanness. We have some of these things in us. In our other tree, we have the golden delicious fruits of the Spirit. And we're familiar with these. Maybe have recited those a time or two. So our temptation is that when we see the fleshly fruit pop up in our lives, that we just want to exchange that for the other fruit. They're like, I don't want this fruit. I want that fruit. So when we're angry, or we're jealous, or we're envious, we tell ourselves, don't be angry. Don't be envious. That doesn't work. You can't just exchange fruit for fruit. Like, I'm not going to be angry. I'm just going to have joy. Like, if I tell myself I'm joy, I have joy, then I am. I have joy. So if we remember what Jesus taught about the fruit, that no good fruit comes from the bad tree. So if we have sinful desires, those fruit will just keep showing up. So we've got to get to the root of why that fruit is showing up. So here's our roots. So the works of the flesh come from our sinful nature. And that is a root that is deep within us. It's pride, it's self-glorification, it's us wanting to be king, it's us wanting to be God. The root of sin is not rule-breaking. The law was not meant to save people. Sin is not just the difference between rule-keeping and rule-breaking. It lies at the desires of your heart. It has since the very first sin. The fruit of the Spirit comes from God. When we're rooted in humility and glorification of the Creator, who He is, what He has done through His Son and ransomed us from death to life, something that we did not deserve. That's the gospel. And at the root level is where the change happens. That's where the process of turning from your sin and turning to God takes place. Turning from the root of pride and fleshly self and turning to the gospel. That we call repentance. So down deep, repentance happens, and then the fruit changes. 
we see our sin nature showing up in our fruit and we turn from it and we remind ourselves of the gospel and what he's done and who we are because of him, that identity. And then the fruits of the spirit flow out of us. So a little bit change in the framework of maybe how you viewed these things in the past. So I have an example. We're coming up on holiday time. All things good come from the holidays, right? Nobody feels stress or angry. Family gatherings are usually nice and smooth. We get together with all the people we really care about. So, <clears throat> when these things happen, topics and conversations come up, maybe that are uncomfortable, or maybe there's some disagreement in how uh, things are viewed and how things are handled. So, uh, in my household, we actually have experienced some of this recently. So I sort of walked through some of these things and I didn't put details up here um, because I didn't want you to focus on the details because I think the pattern of how this process takes place and the, the battle plan is more important than the details of my specific example. But I think you'll be able to resonate with some of the things that we experienced and how we worked through that. So, disagreement happens between family members. Some hurtful things are said and exchanged because you can say those things when you're close and you've known each other for many years. And there are strong feelings on both sides of a topic and a view. And the feelings towards one another start popping up. And you start cutting on their character and um, you start to feel like the tension and the division taking place. And then we start to see some of these fruits, division, strife, bitter disagreement, anger, active opposition, hostility. Those are fruits of the flesh starting to come up. And we try to justify why we feel angry in that situation. The tension is not our fault. We have it right and the other person has it wrong. And we're doing this for a legitimate reason. This is where you start to work down to the, the root of why you're getting angry and why there's tension and why there's division in this topic and in this conversation. So this process is not necessarily easy or straightforward because when you're in the moment, you feel all of the stuff that is like playing into that. But as you take a step back and you start working through some of those things and you start writing these things out, a couple things will happen. One, you'll be writing down things that you don't actually believe to be true. So our way is more important than theirs, which is pride. 
God doesn't love people that believe that. God doesn't love people that are deceived that easily or perpetuate lies or slander or say those things about people. So I have the right to be angry or, or treat this person harshly because that's not, not the way you should handle that. God is absent. So he's not taking control in this situation, so I have to. We don't believe those things to be true. When we actually take a step back, like I know that that stuff isn't true. But in the moment when that fruit is coming out, I'm believing it. I'm acting in that way. So it was at this moment that Jen and I ended up together and had a conversation. And I'm hearing so many of the, the, the justifications and the reasons. And she says, I'm feeling all these things and I just want them to get it. But I want to love them well. This is pretty fresh. So, it's right there in that moment that it changes. The realization that the flesh response and the desire that's coming from it is not in line with what you actually believe. So Jen was primarily involved in this disagreement, and uh, so she, she went and prayed, and, and uh, through the power of the Spirit working in her heart, and I, I don't know, she didn't tell me like, like what truths actually helped her walk through that, but um, it was clearly Spirit-driven power um, where she was able to see a bigger picture. And her desire shifted from being right and proving a point to caring for people and reflecting God's character. And from that, gentleness and patience and kindness and love and goodness and self-control flow out in the conversation. No one else may have noticed the process that took place. That transition that happened where she turned from those feelings and the things that would have 10 years ago probably sent us into a family division that took a long time to repair turned from that stuff and remembered that this is who I am 
This is what God says about who I am, who they are, how to love them. And this is not that big of a deal. And God was glorified in that. So that's just one example. As you enter into times of conflict this holiday season, what are some practical ways that we can practice walking in the Spirit? in the moment when that transaction happened, like being proactive mm. ahead of time kind of shows love and intentionality towards loving them. Agreed. We've actually began a practice of like I need like mental preparation going into some of these gatherings and that's one of the things that we've done is like actually taking time to pray for them. I, I find that if I'm actively praying for them and for our conversations that are going to take place, my heart is prepared for those battles when they come up. I'm not taken off guard. I'm not like unassuming or um, so. Yeah, that's a great one. Anybody else? I think that's great. Asking yourself that question. Can I ask you a question of mm -hmm. how do you get to the place where you ask that question? Why? Um, because I've practiced. Yeah, practiced. Okay. Really the key. And I've also know how I operate. Uh, being really aware of what it is that I'm thinking or feeling. And that does take practice. Um, so, oh, well. So is it your recognition of those fruits showing up? Yeah. 
So asking yourself why, like when you're in the heat of the moment, asking yourself why helps you guide, like where is this coming from? Okay. <laughs> Anybody else have any thoughts? so good yeah i think having just that that recognition of like you can't expect fruit of the spirit from fleshly people like like if they're not in the spirit like you can't expect that so i think that that allows a little bit more grace in those situations stuff. I think being aware of, of where I was and then where now I am in Christ. Like, mm. I feel like I tend to get more frustrated with people who are also full of Christians. Um, and, but like looking at <clears throat> where like both parties were and where we are now and how like we're both being sanctified with different like with different sin struggles and like sanctification looks differently for different people mm. and like recognizing our own position in Christ and knowing that like we're not deserving of anything and like my way isn't necessarily the best way um I think just reflecting on that helps to like give more grace to others too yeah and along those lines I think we can also have a different expectation for other believers that we can actually call them to repentance when we see flesh fruit show up. Like that's not a, I mean, there's a way to handle that. And we actually just talked through that, but uh, that was church discipline. So um, there are ways to walk through that with someone, um, helping them in repentance because the desire at that moment is not just correcting the fruit. It is actually like, getting to the root of what are you believing that's untrue and turning from those lies or turning from yourself and putting your trust in who God is. And in a, as a believer, that's, that's huge in the sanctification process and everybody's a little different in, in how quick that stuff happens. All right, good stuff. So we're going to go back to our main idea as we're running out of time. Um, so believers walk in the spirit, 
to fight the battle, to kill the desires of the flesh. So we have a couple verses here that we need to wrap up. Uh, starting in verse 24. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So Paul closes out this section uh, by essentially stating our main point. Believers who belong to Christ Jesus fight the battle against the flesh and its desires and put it to death. They crucify it. The last two verses uh, serve actually more as a transition of this idea of being rooted in the Spirit and flowing out in how we live our daily lives, uh, and specifically the next section in chapter 6, uh, which is bearing one another's burdens, uh, which Graybill is going to be talking about next week. So um, there's a lot more application and how that relates to uh, interactions with people. Uh, we've touched on some of that stuff today, but I think um, this is something that takes a little bit of work. It's, it's a little bit of a um, trying to just change those fruit is, is an easier process, um, but it doesn't last. It's not something that is actually getting rid of the sin issues. And until you deal with the sin issues, the repentance is not taking place and the fruit from the Spirit doesn't actually show up. So, this is just a, a start to this process. So, um, that's all I have for today. Uh, next week, we will be in Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 10.